This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I mean, what do you think? If you They're did- both fully fair on the claims they make. Here's the thing. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time, your weekly deep dive on internet and other pop culture cool things. My name's yeah. Elliot. I'm a YouTuber, and I'm here with my sister, Grace. And we've got a big week for you guys. We've got a bunch of fun things to talk about. We're talking about what's happening in Sydney right now, why we're the only people in the office. We're talking about the boys' streaming deal, which we just announced and launched yesterday. We're talking the return of Dobrik. Of course, we literally put mm. a question box out on our Instagram and Twitter being like, what do you guys want us to talk about? And you guys joke that you hate when we talk about Dobrik all the time. And yet literally 90% of the answers were like, please talk about Dobrik's return. We're doing that. We're doing H3. We're touching on Britney Spears. Wild. Wouldn't hear that on watch time usually. There's a lot to get through. So first of all, Elliot, how's your week been? You were sick yesterday. I ate sushi. And I'll tell you what, I'm not Uber eating sushi again. Oh shit! I, sh- I feel like I, I feel like, like Uber- sashimi though. Yeah, sashimi. Oh. And you know the funny thing: the last time I got food poisoning was about four or five years ago when you Uber eats oh. me a fish bowl. Like we were at your apartment, <laughs> so we Uber eats fish really bowl. Popular place in Sydney called Fish Bowl, and they make like poke bowls. And for a while there, I was completely obsessed. I was eating them like three or four times a week. It was a problem. And one day, Elliot came over to my place, and I was like, Elliot, let's get Fish Bowl. Like, love this place. Super healthy, delicious. Yum. Elliot was like, sure, down. Elliot gets a massive fish bowl. Elliot gets severe food poisoning. Like really bad. <laughs> like to the point where I can't even look at fishbowl. And that was the <laughs> first ever. ever had it since? No, I've never had it since. I've never had it since. I never it's understood. it's so popular. It's like if you're in Sydney, it's top of your Uber Eats list. It's kind of crazy how like our brains will do that though. Like your brain knows what oh, hurt it yeah. and it like builds a strong yeah. negative association. I had a bad oyster once and I love oysters and it took me a long time and I was sad because they're one of my favorite foods. Yeah, no, <laughs> literally. I think if oysters made me sick, I'd be so sad because I and do guys, love them. guys, Sydney, we are so lucky. As we've said, like over the last year and a half, I feel like we are so lucky to be in Sydney where like COVID really hasn't been too much of a thing for the last six months, but it's back. It's, it's back. back in a big way. And it's back in a big way. And by a big way, we mean we had 10 cases yesterday. Was but, it 16? Oh, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I get confused with how they count. But it was it was a lot for Sydney. It's this new Delta variant. I don't know. Everyone seems scared of it. Everyone is Doesn't going back to Doesn't Delta just home. make it sound more intimidating? Dude, I don't know. I thought Alpha sounded kind of scary. But Alpha there. <laughs> oh, okay. That, that does as well. But like Delta sounds a bit more mysterious. Like yeah. Alpha sounds powerful. Delta's like, but Delta's like, us. what are you? <laughs> You know, like so the whole office is working from home again, basically, apart from our editors that need their beastie computers to come in. Um, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. You mm. need to be wearing masks everywhere. Um uh, I don't know. I'm like touching wood that it's like for a week. I'm but hoping for some reason I feel like 
I feel like I this one could be know. bigger. We've it's New South worse. Wales has dodged dodged a lot of bullets time. every single time. <laughs> it's our time to go. It's our time to go. <laughs> our state has had a couple of mini outbreaks start and every single time it's like, oh my God, someone got a case. And then maybe they gave it to one other person and then it's gone. And yeah. then like we had it under control. But this one, most other states- kid's birthday party and everyone got fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. It's kind of like, I feel like this is going to be the time where someone got it, they spread it and then it got spread again. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong because of the way New South Wales deals with COVID, like we'll get it under control because if it does get any worse and it might be about to be announced in about an hour from now, we might go into another lockdown. They'll do the lockdown for two or three weeks. Yeah. And then they'll have it back to one or two a day or zero, ho- hopefully. And then they'll open How it do up. you feel about a lockdown? Like how did you go with the last one? I, I actually don't really It's like my care. life is unaffected. Yeah, my life is largely. <laughs> I made videos. Ago. My life is largely unaffected, like genuinely. You go out for dinner a lot, but like apart from that, you don't yeah. need to be like heavily so impacted. My, my bank account loves lockdown. Yeah, honestly. Dude, I saved so much money last year. Yeah. I was looking at my savings this year and I was just like, where is it all? Sometimes <laughs> that's the thing. Like sometimes like these days I'm like, oh, like I- like I, I'll, I'll buy something and I'll be like, oh, that was dumb. What a waste of money. But then I'm like, a lot of savings last year, you know, like no international travel, Literally. didn't end up in Vegas at any stage. Yeah. Like there's money saved. <laughs> the Vegas trips really make a dent in the savings. They do. Um. So yesterday we announced The Boys streaming deal. The Boys, if you guys don't know, is a YouTube channel. You can literally search it, The Boys or Yep, The Boys. And it's our five big VR creators we're doing. We've been doing so much stuff with them over the last 10 months. And honestly, it's been like such a highlight of my job for the last 10 months is like working on that project with them. They are great creators, Mm. like genuinely great guys, all of them, um, really eager to work and really eager to work together as well. And I feel like, you know, it's not the first time that we've done a group channel. It's the second. We did click, obviously, which is like what a lot of people found us through doing. And, and, and you know, that was hugely successful. I loved click for a huge amount of different reasons, but I also feel like we took so many learnings from mm. the way that we did it. And, and this is just like on another level of just organization and like the number of things that they have done over the past 10 months is wild. And so we announced their streaming deal yesterday. I can't even tell you. I feel like on the podcast a couple months ago, we were probably talking about the fact that I had like a couple of really big work things in the, in the works. And like, I think we skipped a week there, which I hate doing. Yeah. And it was really like at the pointy end of those negotiations, which literally have taken, I'm not kidding eight months, I think, yeah. since we started talking about it. It was, a, it, was a, it was a roller coaster. Dude, it was a roller coaster. It was crazy. And um, it's obviously like I've negotiated streaming deals before for you and Lennon and Fresh and Loser Fruit and that sort of thing. But um, it's a whole different kettle of fish when you're trying to talk to five different boys and negotiate one streaming deal on one channel with five boys in like three different time zones and make it work on a platform like Facebook gaming. Yeah. But we got there in the end. And like, I do, I do also kind of love it though. Like Mm. I think negotiating a streaming deal is extremely satisfying because it's something where you're generating such like long-term value for the creators. And I love, I love working with platforms. Like, 
when I was when I was growing up, I really thought I wanted to work at Google for a long time. Um, and I always like thought those companies were the coolest. And a lot of people since then that I have known to work at Google did not enjoy their time working at Google. So weird, right? Yeah, like I, I think, was always like, wow, Google's like the blueprint, the coolest company ever. Yeah, but I think the burnout is just so, like it, you, people always hear about the perks, like, oh, you've got, you know, like free lunch and yeah. on-site so laundry <laughs> and gym and everything like that. But the only we reason those you. perks are there, what was that? We own you. <laughs> yeah, we own you. Literally, the only reason those perks are there is because they work you so hard yeah. that like you need every little thing yeah. you can. Um, but it is amazing. Like on one side of my job, I love working with individual creators and young people. And I love that we have a startup where it's like, if we want to make something happen, we can make it happen so fast. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I also, it's like really fun to have the exposure of working with really big companies and helping them understand more about creators, which is like a huge amount of the conversations mm. that we have throughout the negotiations. But yeah, it was pretty crazy. Honestly, thought it was dead in the water there for a while couple times um but we made it happen and we did and it's good and I feel like we went out for dinner with all the boys last night or the ones that are in Australia and it was really good it's just like reflecting on I don't know yeah the progress you can make in a short period of time when you really put the work in and do you think this means the streaming wars are back on I don't know I mean I feel like the streaming wars of 20 18 or 2019 yeah. were on a different level. And it was because it would never been done before. I don't think it had even occurred to people to like really Do try that. and lock people into a platform. Yeah. I don't think that had like come There to was always head. just like the, the platform. Yeah, it was like here's the platform, you're going to stream on it if you want to. And then suddenly there seemed to be this like huge value attached to having people be exclusive on a platform. It's, it's really weird. It was almost like a bit of a panic where, cause I was thinking about this. Mm. I was like, does the boys Dude, deal? They were, signing the, they were signing like everyone knows the ninjas and the shrouds and whatever. And you know, the laser yeah. team and you and Lachlan and whatever. There were some random people signed to streaming yeah. deals at that time as well. And even since then, like as a general policy change, Twitch is now quite aggressively locking people in a lot more. Yeah. Maybe not quite as insane as the full streaming contract deals. Yeah. But they're doing pretty big things to try and keep creators on platform. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it because I was like, okay, does this mean that like, like, you know, are streaming wars still a thing? Is it still like the big platforms all trying to fight for each other? But I think what they've kind of realized is that the streaming wars are still a thing. Definitely. Like live streaming mm -hmm. content is so big and going to be such a bigger thing in the future. So obviously companies that are about making content want their want to get the biggest yeah. slice of that that they can. But I think what they've realized is it's not a quick, it's, it's not the kind of thing that you can just resolve quickly and it's no. not going to be over um, in a month just because you signed a few exclusive partners. No. Like I feel like there was this big sense or there's almost like this panic at the time, like, Oh no, we need to like plant a flag really hard now because if Ninja and Shroud go to Mixer, then all of a sudden every single person on Twitch is going to be like, oh yeah, we're leaving and just going to go there. Yeah. But I think what they're realizing more and more now is you can kind of like shift a bit of momentum, your platform's way by doing a big signing and you can kind of give it that base. But to really 
grow and to actually take over the market is going to take much, much longer. And I think it's yeah. going to be about what they slowly build in as features and the community and all those different things over time. I feel like two years ago, people were looking or platforms were looking for big, quick fixes. They were like, let's chuck yeah. millions of dollars at this big name and it'll be huge and it's going to transform the platform. And I think maybe from a PR, from a publicity perspective, it like throws a lot of weight. But I think the approach that platforms are taking with how they bring on creators is a lot more considered right now. I think you see some platforms that actually are probably less attracted by those really big names that also come with massive price tags and are going for more of like the small to middle market creators yeah. and really trying to pull people that actually have super strong communities or at least lock them in to where they are right yeah. now. Um, and I think there is much more of a focus rather than just having a big name on a platform. It's like, who are your people and how much are they streaming on the platform? Mm. Like I'm seeing more deals where I feel as though there's like a higher time commitment that the platforms are looking for. They're not just looking for a vanity name that they can put on their press release. They're looking for people that are actually going to commit to the platform and yep. spend a considerable amount of time on there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think that it'll be very interesting. So I feel like we're going to see another wave over the next year or so, or like, I wonder if we're even going to see them as done as big announcements anymore, if it's just going to kind of yeah. be, kind of be a slowly evolving thing. I feel like the big announcements were when there was like that real, there were moving pieces and people yeah. were moving from Twitch to Mixer, rest and in peace Mixer. Um, it was literally like the biggest conversation point is who's going to announce yeah. yet. And next. do you remember like people would post like the um, contract sign yeah. GIF on Twitter and everyone would be like, oh, is he going to Mixer or YouTube? Yeah, literally. That was like the default assumption of any announcement. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they were the days. They were the days. Such exciting Dude, times. Twenty. I have to say 2019 was a wild time. Mm to be in gaming yeah, as a creator. Very. Like you just think like the peak of Fortnite, those fucking massive streaming deals. Yeah. Like shit was happening in 2019. That was a good time. 2019. Take me back. <laughs> Pre-corona. Oh, that was the peak. Man, we man, rose so hard and we fell so hard. No. It was like 2019. It was like, uh, like, you know, gaming, everything is happening. Fortnite is blowing up. Like everyone's traveling all over the world, signing streaming deals. And then 2020 was like, yo, <laughs> what's up? And then bam, all of a sudden Fortnite's dying. No one wants to play the game anymore. Coronavirus struck. Now you can't leave the house. Coronavirus. God damn, that was a that's a roller coaster of a couple of years. It is, My and God. a roller coaster for no one more than our good friend David Dobrik. Yeah, oh, good segue, dude. We're getting on the transitions right now. Everyone was always saying you're the transition king, but so yeah, well, I am the transition king still. But literally, so right after we uploaded last week's episode, David dropped his first vlog mm. in many in over a year. Yep. Thoughts, feelings, give it to me. I think it's smart. Like everyone, everyone was kind of like, you know, like what's your take? Like, should he be, and I'm not even going to comment anymore on like, you know, what I think people's opinion of yeah. David Dobrik should be. Obviously I think, he hasn't posted since they went into the pandemic at the time. It was because. Well, he did. He did post one. Remember his house. That was on his second channel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I'm so, sorry. Yeah. So he didn't post anything on his main channel since like March last year because all of his content previously revolved around him and his friends and whatever. And obviously, it, 2020, no go coronavirus. 
Um, then earlier this year, he had the controversy that he went through. He went from being, you know, absolutely TikTok viral every single day of the mm. week, having his $200 million valued um, dispo app, starting his pizza company, whatever else he's doing, to suddenly really going through the ringer. A lot of and controversy. Yeah. Literally, like, not that long after. Aww. Two to three months. Two to three months. Okay, two to three months after the fat controversy, but I think he hadn't posted in, like, a year. Yeah. But I think here's the thing. Uh, what's that saying? You're only as good as your last your last something. But okay. Long but story short. <laughs> this, yeah, yeah. Literally, literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like, it's, like, it's like that thing, you know, you're only as good as your last piece of work. I think very much when it comes to, like, your conversation – and like your name is a conversation piece. You're only, you are only whatever your last bit of like news was. Right. Right. Like you're defined by that pretty much. So mm. it doesn't matter if it happened six months ago, a week ago, a year ago. If the last thing that was talked about you publicly is a controversy, then you're the guy. That, in you're, then you're the controversy guy. So Oh, I like this take. Well, yeah, but like the only way he was ever going to not be the controversy guy was by moving on and doing new stuff and like starting to make content again. Yeah. Because he needs to generate conversation pieces that aren't that. Yeah. So realistically, this was what he always had to do and obviously is what he's doing is just picking up again and starting to make videos, talking about stuff, you know, like being like, oh, this is how much Corinna made on OnlyFans in the first two days, mm-hmm. you know, like kind of moving forward from what happened. Like and it was always going to have to happen. How do you feel about the way he came back as opposed to other people that have come back from controversy and usually they'll come back and if it's been a couple months, which it had for David, address it, do perhaps another apology. There's a lot of repenting, repenting, repenting for like a couple months before they really feel as though they're able to get back into like, I'm here and I'm having fun. And David's was very much, I'm back and better than ever. It was normal David. There was no hint of like, I'm sorry, or I'm back or, you know. No, but I I think he's already addressed it. You don't need to keep addressing it. Like you've addressed it. Like if, if, if you've done your apology and you have nothing more to say, then there's no real reason in a self-interest sense to re-bring that up again. You need to show that you're moving past. Hmm. But I, I did actually think the one funny thing was, um, who's the guy who he, Jeff, Jeff was, there was like, there was just, and it was only like a five second moment. Cause he has addressed the, de- the dirty Dom controversy, hmm. hadn't addressed uh, the controversy Jeff. with Jeff on his own channel, where he obviously seriously injured Jeff doing a very dumb stunt. Um, and in the vlog, there's like there's like a scene where, you know, David makes some joke about that he's going to give everyone a car and then Jeff, you know, pretends he's like, yo, yo call off the lawsuit, you know, like, yeah, 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 which yeah. I thought was like, that's like a good, that's like a good nod to it. How important do you think it was that Jeff was included in the first vlog back? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, yeah, like probably hugely. I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm not as invested in like the drama. Like, I love watching the videos and I'm like, this is fun, like good vibe. But I don't really like I'm not that invested in it. Yeah, I think it was important that he was in it, though. Definitely I think it important. shows that, like, if we're cool, like, if me and Jeff are cool, yeah. you guys have to be cool. <laughs> I almost murdered him, all right? You guys can't be mad. And he still likes me. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, too funny. I I, I don't know. I, I think we probably predicted this a couple months ago when we really <laughs> addressed the controversy at the time that he was going through. I think... I think it was a topic of conversation that was happening a lot in the office with our team as well. And people were talking about, like, can he come back? You know, a lot of people thought no at there the time. Has been, I think people can always come back. There has been so much worse that creators have done that they have come back from. Yeah. The fact it was ever a question. Like, it, don't get me wrong. If David himself had, like, directly, as in, like, you know, if he was in the position of Dirty Dom, mm. that I think would be, not that what he did wasn't bad, but I think it was just removed enough that people can place it into the category of it's bad that you were there enabling that situation, but it's just separated enough that I think it is also the kind of thing that people will forgive. Yeah. Anyway, though, David Dobrik back. I think it was always, I mean, it was always going to happen. It was, it was literally, it was literally a case of either A, he never makes a video again, or B, he starts making videos again and tries yeah. to move past it. Not going to do option one, he's going to do option two. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm glad. And, and I think, you know, I think he's fucked up. I think he knows he's fucked up, but I'm not a fan of cancel culture as a general rule. No. Like, General rule, obviously, some people can do things and I think, like, you probably really don't deserve to have a platform. But um, I also think I've been exposed to enough young creators that are growing up with an absolute spotlight and massive camera on them and everyone does stupid shit mm. when they're young and everyone makes mistakes and everyone's, like, trying to figure out, like, I don't know, like there's stuff I did when I was 18 that like now I'd be like, you're an idiot or like actually that doesn't align with my values yeah. at all anymore. Oh, my God, but no. you learn that, like there is an element of it that I've had to accept. You learn through going through it and you can have all the people in the world try and coach you and make sure you avoid certain pitfalls or whatever, but some shit you just need to learn yourself. Yeah, definitely. Okay, H3, you were really into this before we started the recording. Oh, I think it's, yeah. I'm actually quite interested in your opinion of it because yeah. this is quite like a... So give us a little backstory. Okay, so uh, a lot of listeners, and I know you are, are familiar with Stephen Crowder, yeah. who uh, I think he has a podcast called Louder with Crowder, and he's the guy from the Change My Mind meme. You Which know, he's I like, feel like I found his YouTube channel, the Change My Mind videos, years ago. Yeah. And he was the kind of guy that you watch on YouTube and you're like, huh. And you're like, I I kind of hate you, but also I'm going to binge watch everything. Yeah, ever literally. Yeah. Like, and I actually, I think it's quite interesting watching those videos. So basically what he would do is go to a university campus with like a stall, like, like a little like trestle table that just has a sign on the front that says like, um, 
there are only two genders, change my mind. Yeah. And then literally would have random people from the university come by and debate him. Um, and, but basically it would always be a very controversial topic. Like I think that one I just gave is, yep. uh, is a one example. Them, I think that was like an abortion is bad. Yeah. One. There's ones on like, uh, like gun control being yep. like, um, I think gun access is fine the way it is that kind of thing. Um, or, you know, like, or, or things like, uh, America doesn't have a, uh, racist, a race problem, Yeah, you know, like, and a lot of the time you're like, okay, no, there's yeah. Anyway, and long like story. Genius YouTube content as well. Like I'll click on that. Yeah. What a great Really genius. Oh my God. Yeah. Cause you're asking a question. It's yeah. perfect clickbait made for YouTube. Anyway. Um, he basically apparently has wanted to him and Ethan Klein, H3H3 had a bit of back and forward where, um, Ethan made a comment about, you know, like why you should listen to the advice of the CDC being like, dude, we're all just idiots. Like, of course you should blindly listen to the CDC. Steven like took that comment and was like, this is so dumb. And then Ethan went back and they had a bit of a back and forth indirectly. So then uh, apparently they wanted to debate each other. So they got in contact, set up a debate. Uh, they, you know, kind of jump on, they get ready to start having their debate. And Ethan is very self and like, I think he actually made this comment before the debate started. Cause I believe it was live stream mm-hmm. or at least it was recorded, ready to be posted. And he made a comment saying, uh, I'm an awful debater. Like I, I cannot debate to save my life. This mm-hmm. would be awful. And they were going to debate about vaccines, I believe, or, or mask mandates. Um, so anyway, two minutes into when their conversation had started, their mm-hmm. debate had started. Uh, Ethan brings on does a little switcheroo. All of a sudden it's not Ethan. It's uh, this, I think CNN, some media journalist who uh, apparently has some very light history with uh, Stephen Crowder where like, you know, they've always, they've never actually debated before, but apparently the journalists always wanted to anyway, someone who's actually properly informed and also knew how to argue, brought them in. And then Stephen, uh, was basically kind of laughed about the situation and then was like, okay, yeah, I'm not debating you. And then left. Ooh, so, so he didn't want to debate. Didn't want to debate him. came to someone that was. Which I think is so interesting because I think both audiences are claiming this as a win. Steven's audience is like, yeah, we win. H3's audience is like, yeah, we win. Everyone is claiming it as a win. And I weirdly can't disagree with either side. I think mm. they're both kind of, because, because like the long, the long running thing, which I fully agree with. And one thing that's always slightly annoyed me about the change my mind series, Stephen Crowder does is he's got this reputation as being, you know, like a, a really great debater and, um, and, you know, being very good at putting his point across. And a lot of the time when you're watching those change my mind videos, like it could be a topic you're so like, you know, you know that it is so incorrect, mm-hmm. but like, he'll make a point during the debate and you'd be like, Oh, okay. Wait, no, that actually kind of makes sense. What would I say? Yeah. But yeah, literally you'll be like practice debating in response. Mm. Um, But here's the thing. He's picking the topic, probably spending two to three days researching the arguments for that topic. Then also researching what the counter arguments to that topic are that the other people are going to bring up and then researching how to counter their counter arguments. And then 
he gets to a university campus and has Sits random back, arms crossed. Yeah, and has random 19-year-olds who have strong opinions but haven't really thought about how to put them into words come by and yeah. just pick up a microphone and start debating against someone who's spent the last week researching the topic in depth and out. And he's kind of built this reputation for being perceived as winning the arguments, right? Being perceived as being yeah. Very convincing. It's difficult to argue against him. Yeah. He's a compelling debater. Oh, and you know what's so good? He doesn't get, like, this is the thing, like, and this is like, and I always say this is the best way to make someone angry at yeah. you in a debate. Someone else starts getting emotional. You just, you sit there, you're like, dude, like, we're just, just having a conversation here, man. Like, oh my just, God. just chill Guys, out. Guys, do you want to know something secret? Elliot was debating captain. I think I've talked about that. I'll never shut up about me being debating captain. Oh my God. This guy is the most annoying person to have an argument. I am awful to argue with. the most annoying person to argue with. I'm very grateful that in our years together, we argue a lot less than we did when we were teenagers. But I remember like Elliot and I, like we were not, we're close now, I would say. Like I would call you about almost anything. I feel like we talk constantly like we're very, very close in each other's lives and I value his opinion hugely. But it was not the same. Let me tell you, a 14-year-old Muselk, you don't want to be friends with that guy. No. <laughs> no. And, and it only got worse when I got so debating training. what do training. you think? I mean, what do you think if you were – because I feel like you – They're take- both fully – Fair on the claims they make. Here's the thing. H3H3 is claiming the victory because he's saying, look, like Stephen only came to debate me because he knows I'm an absolute clown who doesn't know how to debate. And he would run circles around me with what I'm sure is a lot more and understands how to articulate an argument much better. And even though my point might be correct, he'll make me seem dumb. Versus as soon as I put someone in front of him who is researched on the topic, who does understand what he's talking about, suddenly he's like, oh, I don't want to debate because he knows yeah. as soon as he's put under like, you know, tough scrutiny that it's not going to go his way. Very fair point because I do think that Stephen Crowder generally only argues against easy targets. It's like mm-hmm. a boxer who's only ever beat up toddlers and you're kind of like, okay, but do you want to fight a real person? They're like, nah, nah, nah. I don't know if you're a great boxer then. Yeah. Um, so, but then on the other hand, Stephen Crowder's like, no, 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 no. I came here to debate you, yeah. you then in bad faith introduced yeah. this third party who this person has apparently, whether or not it's true, Crowder claims has, has been trying to use Crowder for exposure for a long time. He's like, look, I just don't want to engage with this person. Yeah. And and is like, I came here in good faith to debate you and I'm not here to not debate you. Kind of valid. Like, and it, which I think is a valid point too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got to have the rules of arrangement. Um, but I think... I feel like the, I mean, but I also get there's an objectivity like argument from um, from H3's side. I feel like they both have to come to the table and not be prepped on what the topic's going to be before they do it and, and maybe Stephen has to debate someone he doesn't know who it's going to be. I don't know. Like, otherwise, yeah, how is the rules of engagement ever fair? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just think at the end of the day, uh, yeah, Crowder, I would love to see him debate a real target. But yeah, I was, I was, what, what do you think? What's your take? You think that it was incident, was either of them in the wrong or were they both kind of justified in what? Uh, I, I do see it from both perspectives. Yeah, really? I, I yeah. actually like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I you think it's important that you know what you're going into. Like I don't really think it's fair to like change it up 
But at the same time, if your job is that you're a debater and you claim that, like, that is what you do, I think you kind of need to be prepared to, like, walk the walk. Yeah. But but I get it, especially if this guy and they've had personal beef or whatever and, like, he's like, I don't want to feel used. I kind of get that too. But I don't know. You know what I think was so interesting? Crowder posted on his YouTube channel, and I do think this is kind of a dub from his end. As much as I would much more morally align with Ethan, I do think what he did here was kind of a dub. Posted, and I almost it's almost such a dub that I want to figure out if they somehow faked it, but I was thinking about that, and I don't think they could. Um, they posted the uncut studio recording from Crowder's oh. angle. And from literally the moment, like, you know how before we start talking yeah. on the podcast, we hit record, we're sitting here, we're like, blah, 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 backstage stuff. Anyway, backstage. Crowder, backstage. Uh, <laughs> Crowder literally, like, walks on to the set where they're recording, sits yeah. down, like, checks the microphone. He's like, yeah, okay, we're just going to move this. Like, audio levels are good. And um, was just chatting with the producer. He's like, dude, I think Ethan's going to do anything he can to just not have a serious debate. Like he won't be able to have a debate. He'll either talk some really dumb stuff or he'll try and change topic or he'll probably like not even debate me. He'll probably bring someone on like that, like that journalist guy literally calls the name of the guy that Ethan then does the gotcha switcheroo with. That's crazy. Which, yeah. So actually, which is literally like such a call out that I'm like, my God, they must have faked it somehow. But it literally is an uncut recording from Amazing. the start. To- I love that. And I feel like audiences love that too. Yeah. They love not feeling duped. Yeah. And I feel like even if Ethan was duping Stephen, the audience would prefer to just feel as though they like take the side of the person that was completely, yeah. you know, like and when blind. And when Ethan's whole side was kind of like, a, ah, I gotcha with this switcheroo, it's kind of like, oh, but he called that that was going to happen before it even yeah. started. Um, yeah, no, very interesting one though. I thought mm-hmm. that was, uh, yeah, I'd love, I would actually love to see a, a him debate another good person. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of the time I'd be watching, um, he, he'll do what I do when I argue, which is someone can make a really good point but there are a lot of like really dumb, rude tricks you can use to just like mentally like tie people up. Like you create like one, like they'll make a really good point, but then you'll point out how some other random thing that's totally irrelevant contradicts that. And like, you should just be able to, they should be able to just say, no, that's irrelevant and move on. But most people yeah. can't, they get stuck on that kind of thing. And that's yeah. what he would do all the time. Someone Bro, on a campus. So Someone on a campus would make like a really. You do do that all the time. I do. Like, <laughs> I love how you've just realized this. You'll be like, oh, but what about this small point? I'm like, bro, that's irrelevant to the bigger picture. And you're like, but if this is wrong, what if everything is yeah, wrong? Yeah, exactly. And it's like the thin end yeah. of the wedge. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm like triggered. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. So that's what he'll always do. And I'll be sitting there watching. I'm like, oh my god, someone. This is so obviously like, oh like, a, like god. not the way to go. And they just don't call him out. So I would love to see him debate someone who knows how to recognize and counter that. Guys, we've got to wrap this up for today. I've got to go to an inspection. Girls trying to buy a house. In know? the Sydney housing market. Good luck with that. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really going to need it. Um, thank you guys so much for watching this week's episode of Watch Time. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.